an ant just crawled on Rene Redzepi and, and that's pretty much how the journey started. All of a sudden you had, you know, the best chef in the world using green ants on his menu in, in Noma in Australia. Not knowing how to collect them was the hardest bit, you know. We'd have ants down our um, shirt and, you know, in our shoes, in our socks and basically we we had that many ants on us this one time and trying to get into the car we had to strip down and do it all uh, pretty much just in our, in our underpants and it actually makes it a lot easier to tell you the truth. Welcome to Saltwater Stories of the Larrakia. My name is Richard Fijo and I'm a Larrakia man and elder. Our land includes Darwin and its surrounds, including about 50 kilometres inland and to the east and west of Darwin. We are saltwater people and the traditional owners and custodians of this land. We come from a long line of storytellers and we continue this ancient tradition here by sharing our stories with you. In this episode, you'll be hearing from Daniel Motlop, who has a passion for kakadu plums and green ants. But he started out playing Aussie Rules Football, or AFL, so let's start there. Footy was basically a big part of my life, um, as in (laughs) it was everything at the start um, of of my life to play AFL. Probably held me back a fair bit because that's all I wanted to do. Some of my teachers used to actually say, look, you better do your schoolwork because you're not going to be like your brother or your uncles and stuff like that. So I used to get a bit of grief about it um, because my head was so strong that, you know, I was going to play AFL. And I was that determined, you know, I trained hard and um, in Darwin and, you know, while the other kids were out doing other things, I'd be focused on, on my dream. I knew I was going to move away when I was 10 years old to play footy down south to try to get drafted and our family is a is a huge footballing family. My son just got drafted last year to Carlton as well. So basically just from my dad, um, you know, we've got a 100% strike rate of playing AFL to tell you the truth. Um, my older brother played, I played, my brother Stephen's playing now and now the oldest um, grandson's playing. So it's, it's four in a row at the moment. I got drafted in 2001, went to North Melbourne, uh, played six years there and decided I wanted to move back to Adelaide just because it was felt like a second home to me. And I, I got a trade over to Port Adelaide for another uh, five years, five, six years. And from there, I, de- I decided I wanted to move back to Darwin after I retired. And retiring was a bit of a shock to the system because I couldn't get a job, to tell you the truth. It was very hard to come up with a resume. I didn't really have any qualifications. You know, playing in the AFL, you don't get, you know, your certificates and that sort of stuff. Um, and the skills that I did develop, you know, were leadership, um, punctuality, really just life things, I guess, that you, you need to know how to how to be at, at an age of 16, 17. Um, this was my first job going for at, you know, 30, 31. So um, it was pretty scary. Um, That took a good three or four years after footy to learn how to get back into life or or the real life from being a professional athlete. I spent a lot of time at Aboriginal communities and I I just seen um, a lot of opportunity in in the native food side for restaurants and 
I met with a few, you know, chefs and stuff while I was working in government and, you know, they sort of opened my eyes to how big the native food industry is and was getting and where it is today. Yeah, I suppose Renee Redzepi and, and Jocks and Frollo were, were my first interaction with chefs and um, the food world and how food should be sent to restaurants and the quality. Um, so it was, it was a big learning curve straight up. Um, these two guys are the, you know, possibly the best chefs in the world, Renee and Jock. And Jock's obviously huge in Australia um, with what he does and with native ingredients. And it was a great learning curve to start, start my journey in, in native food. So I decided to start a small harvesting business, harvesting magpie goose. So I had to go get a permit, the first ever permit to harvest magpie goose um, out of the Northern Territory. But also I went and got permits for things like green ants, things like bush apples, things like kakadu plum as an add-on product to the to the magpie goose. Um, I knew I had the customers to be able to sell it. I just needed those permits um, to make it official. It was a pretty, pretty proud moment, I guess, to be able to service some some great chefs and you know them really do justice for, for the food that we have in Darwin. And the reason why I went for the permits is because everyone should need a permit to be able to harvest any native ingredients out of the out of the Northern Territory or around Australia because the last thing we want to do is see people harvesting on Aboriginal people's land or or selling things that you know they shouldn't or ma making it like the macadamia nut and sending it overseas and now they grow it and sell it back to us. Um, and that's what I try to encourage in my business now is make sure people get permits to be able to sell native ingredients. We don't want people just harvesting long sides of the road and really giving the ownership back to Aboriginal people as well to be able to harvest on their land. I suppose it was part of becoming a sustainable business and getting other people involved in the chain of, of selling uh, native ingredients and re really giving some ownership back to Aboriginal people. Um, I wanted to sell more green ants, I want to sell more bush apples, I want to sell more kakadu plums, you know, so that the people that are harvesting it can actually harvest it every year. We decided to use it in gin, which because of its the, the tartiness about it, it was just beautiful in, in, in the gin. And obviously the flavour, the colour um, goes well in, in the bottle. Green Ant Gin, it's a little bit floral, citrusy, you know, it's got strawberry gum in it. So you get that uh, strawberry gum smell. What I've tried to do with uh, all my spirits is basically create a nice logo that, so that people can see on the shelf, create a nice smell to it, um, aroma, so that when people, you know, smell it, they, they really want to try it. And after that, obviously, becomes taste. And, you know, the finger limes give it that citrus sort of uh, pop in, in the bottle. And, and obviously, the green ants being distilled in it as well create that those citrus notes, a little bit of pepperberry. So it's... It's got a lot of different native ingredients in it, but we really try to hero that green ant and yeah, capture the flavour of that green ant. We try to add you know, 10 to 12 uh, green ants in every bottle just so that people can just have a look and understand what a green ant is. People are quite intrigued by you know, what's on the bottle and green ant gin, the name, but when you actually shake the bottle up, you see all the green ants you know, floating around it gets people excited and they really want to try it. I, I try to focus on 
native ingredients that haven't been used before in commercial products. And obviously, they don't only have to taste good. It obviously has to be um, sustainable, but also, you know, create economic development for people too. Gin historically is basically a derogatory word to Aboriginal women, and um, it was used a long time ago. And um, it's it's not a great word, so I was, I was very reluctant to make make gin in that sense because of that. Um, and there were a lot of questions being asked. You know, why was I doing it? And um, obviously the stereotype of Aboriginal people using alcohol and, um, you know, some some people questioned me about uh, me poisoning my own people and stuff like that. But, you know, I've, I've really tried to push the economic side of it and, and the sustainability of, of jobs in, in the harvesting of the um, ingredients. That's obviously the, the great story behind it. So there's a lot more positives to, to how far we've come. You know, you never want to exploit um, the culture and what it is. And my identity is is being Aboriginal, and uh, my business is a, is about selling native ingredients. We want to showcase it. You know, whether it being tell stories about you know how the Macassan traders used to trade with Yongle people and that sort of stuff. We really want to be a teaching um, brand uh, about the stories. You know, and not not be too in depth with um, you know the cultural knowledge that. Only some people can obviously teach. I never want to exploit that, and that's why you know, in in all our, everything that we do in business, we're very, I guess, respectful with how we how we treat everything. Oh, I find sitting in a bar, I'll ask a bartender that doesn't even know who I am. Um, you know, what's that green bottle up there? And they'll say, "Oh, that's Green Ant Gin." And you know, it's, it's fascinating to see them go, get so passionate about what's in it. And they're telling me the story. Um, sometimes it's wrong, but, um, you know, they're so passionate with, with how they tell the story and what they think they know. And, you know, they, then all of a sudden your name comes up and who makes it. And you, you're sort of proud that the things that they are saying, you know, it's, it's from Darn, it's the top hen, you know, Green Ants are found, Queensland, you know, all the way to Western Australia that, and in the top end. And then, you know, every now and again they say, you know, it's collected by the Larrakia people. So it is really, it's teaching people. Saltwater Stories of the Larrakia is a City of Darwin podcast created in collaboration with the Larrakia people of Darwin. This podcast was produced by Laurie Uden and Cinnamon Nippard with editorial support from Johanna Bell and mixing by Hamish Robinson. The beautiful soundtrack was composed by Larrakia woman Lena Kelly and produced by Skinny Fish Music. Big thanks to the Larrakia Nation for their support. For more information, head to discover.darwin.nt.gov.au. This podcast series is proudly brought to you by the City of Darwin. Mamak means see you later in Larrakia language. We hope to see you soon on Larrakia country. I'm Richard Fijo. Thank you for listening. <laughs>